This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that every Christian should be a constant and devoted reader of the Bible, and that the primary business of the church and its ministry is to lead, foster, and encourage people in this life-changing habit. Well, here we are back again, Thriving in the Word. We have uh, Mike with us, Ben, Dave, and Johnny, myself, Judah, and we're jumping into Acts 8 through 14, so we're going to kind of continue with our discussion there, and I'll just open it up for whoever has something that you want to start sharing here. Last time we were talking about Acts 7, and Stephen, you know, when he addressed the council, and... uh, I, I had a mind block. I just didn't get it. And that's all I could say is, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And it was like, what don't I get? After the Bible study, uh, Letty and Johnny and Ben, you know, they prayed for understanding. And oddly enough, the next day on Wednesday, there was something in Judah's preaching at Thrive Church. The answer was there, but I obviously wasn't listening because I didn't hear it until Sunday when I heard it again. Judah was speaking about what our price would be to stop reading the Bible and stop praying and you know, it was kind of at this point that I realized that's what I didn't understand is, you know, Stephen was up there willing to die for Jesus. And I, for some reason, just couldn't really relate to that. Like, that's what I was confused about. That was one of the things I was confused about. You know, another thing was, you know, really just like, what did he do wrong? What did Stephen do wrong? He was going around healing people. And he wasn't even looking for credit. I mean, he was giving all the glory to God. So I didn't get that either. But really where my mind block was, was, oh, what is this guy doing? Honestly, like, here I am with a microphone in my face, and I was almost afraid to say that. Do I have a price? I almost felt like I did. It was really that last week where I really started praying, and I've just been, you know, praying daily for, you know, a little more understanding. Um, You know, that is part of, you know, the 555 challenge. Guess I wasn't doing it correctly. Um, But at the same time, like I said, you know, Lenny, Johnny, Ben prayed for me after, prayed for understanding, and I continued. I actually put it on the on the background of my phone, pray first, you know, as a little reminder. That's a great way to think. Um, That's how I got myself to read the Bible every day, actually, was I put a Bible verse on the back, on the background of my phone. So even if I didn't have my Bible, I still read that verse. Here's the scary part, though, with the price and what your price can be. You are like a house, my friend. You can be bought on mortgage. It's not all, it doesn't have to be one lump sum. It could be in peace, by piece, by piece. Like when Judah was talking about in the sermon with your job, or maybe it's your hobby, or anything, and it could slowly pull you away from Jesus. Keep that in mind. It's not, it doesn't have to be a lump sum of, here's whatever your other passion is to pull you away. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of times it's death by a thousand cuts. Exactly. It'll be, oh, yes. you know, here's, here's a girl that, you know, all of a sudden shows up in your life, or all of a sudden here's a job opportunity or a way to make some money, or here's a video game or a book that's not scripture or, mm. or a friendship or a new, it's like all these little things that are, they're just, they're just basically like taking you away little by little from time that you could be spending either in the word, living out the great commission. It's like, when you, when you read the scriptures and it talks about that it's a that it's a very hard and narrow road to a narrow gate and Jesus tells us make every effort to enter through that narrow gate that's all it takes is it's like walking on a balance beam you just look away for one second and then you still you still have the momentum of your next step forward but because you look behind you or you're distracted to the left or the right all of a sudden that foot steps off of that narrow path and that's all it takes because then where where's your 
subsequent steps going to take you in that direction that you're that the foot off the that balance beam takes you and it's that's that's not the how we're called to live we're called to stay christ-centered you know church-centered bible-centered and focus right to finish the race that's as Saul says or Paul says you know finish the race that's set up before us and that's what it is it's a race and it's not a sprint it's just a take your time and just keep your eye on Christ and if you can do that and stay focused your life will change in such a dramatic way like I've seen such a transformation in you since you started coming to this you know specific men's group you know Bible study whatever you want to call this right and even at the gym right with your own business I've I've watched you change and now here you are queuing up on the mic right talking about how you had brothers lay hands on you for understanding and now daily you're asking God for wisdom and that's part of that that narrow path is this is what it looks like man and if you stay on the narrow path you get to witness miracles of what God is doing and that's just such such an important part of the walk people want miracles abide in Christ do you want to see miracles Stay connected to Jesus every day. Well, and that was uh, essentially what I was getting at with that illustration is that sometimes when we look at the big lump sum, it's easy to be like, oh, I can't be bought. You know, um, you can't pay me enough money to turn my back on Christ or whatever. But yet the reality of it is, is we skip church. We skip reading the Bible. We skip prayer for free all the, all time. the time. Death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, it's you true, know? though. And yet I say, well, I can't be bought. No, I can't be bought. I just give it up for free. I give it up for fifteen dollars an hour on uh, on Sunday morning because yeah, you know my they, boss called me. They need somebody yeah. to cover a shift. They I need, need some, the money. You know, it's like, hey, well, you know, what? God will understand. And I'm not saying that God doesn't understand, but I'm just saying, don't say that we can't be bought when it's like, oh, well, my kid's game is Sunday morning, or you know what, I'm just too tired to read my Bible today, or you know what, X Y Z happened. It, it it just it quickly shows our priority, right? It's like I say. There's nothing that could ever happen that, you know, would get me to, you know, give up on God and turn my back. But and yet we do and we do it for far less. And that was kind of then the takeaway is that, you know, we say we can't be bought. And look at Judas, 30 pieces of silver, like not much money at all. And even, he, even Peter, he did it just by being afraid. Right. Yeah, his, Peter did it for free. It. Yeah. Right. And he did and, it three times. And, right? and we do it for free. Yeah. You know, so it's like so it, it just the, the idea is. And, and it was kind of a, a bait and switch, you know, because it's like I wanted people to be like, yeah, I'm not going to do this, not going to do this. And then hitting that with, a, well, OK, maybe maybe so, maybe not, you know, but um, but is it important to us? You know, Scripture says not to forsake the gathering together believers. Is that important to us? It says, you know, I've hidden your word in my heart, so I don't sin against you. Is God's word important to us? It says pray without ceasing. Are these things important to us? And if so, how important is it? And if we look, and it, honestly, in priorities in our life, by time spent, for most of us, we find a lot of things that are way more important to us than God. Honestly, I mean, like, how much time do we spend in video games, reading the watching, newspaper in the yeah, newspaper, yeah. online, social media, you know, fill in the blank, working, whatever. And I'm not saying that these all have to be equal. Like, we have to spend more time reading the Bible than we do at work. Because I mean. That's insane. But I mean, but the point being is, challenge accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the point is Johnny's just going to like read the Bible while he's tattooed. Oh, sorry. I just happened to tattoo John 316 on your arm instead of the skull that you wanted. <laughs> or it's just like a bunch of squiggly lines. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Got the youth pastor tattoo. <laughs> it's got to be in Hebrew or Aramaic. So, um, but anyhow, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's how important 
is God to us in our relationship. So, yeah, I, I, just briefly, because I know Dave's got something to say here, but uh, about what um, Michael was saying, this idea of like, you know, being challenged by what's said in, in church, in a church sermon, you know, sometimes when I was uh, early on in my, in my walk and attending church, you know, it seemed like the sermons were just hitting one after the other, week after week after week, as if God was tailoring them for like my life. And I don't know what, like what that is. Perhaps that's what it was. But then after a while, you might get a sermon where you're like, eh, didn't really hit, didn't stick, you know. And then you start to get kind of like, eh, I don't know, I don't know if if this is re- relating anymore. Maybe I just was supposed to be here for a short period of time in my life to hear this one message, you know. So like this was for me at this time in my life, and maybe I don't need to go again. But either way, I, I kept coming, right? I kept coming because I just felt like this tug on my heart, you know. And so there are those there are those churchgoers that. They're like, oh, I'm not getting fed anymore. I'm not getting fed anymore, which some people will say isn't biblical, but I feel like it totally is biblical because if you read the verse about babes or babies and still on milk versus solid food, I think it's totally relevant to that. If you're there and you're still crying out for milk, right, it's because you're not opening your Bible on your own. When you're old enough to go walk over to the fridge and fill up your sippy cup with some milk, you might not be drinking out of a glass yet, granted, but you went from a bottle with a rubber nipple to a sippy cup. And at that sippy cup stage, it is crucial that you are learning to be self-sufficient on the word. If you haven't done that in your journey, I highly encourage you to do that in your pursuit of Christ and God and witnessing miracles and being a part of miracles. Start to pour your own glass of milk by the 555 challenge or the 111 challenge or the, you know, .30 challenge, whatever you want to call it. Open up your Bible, read a verse a day. It makes all the difference in the world. But and there's resources to help you with that. Like you can go to the Version app. They have Bible plans. or Thrive.church slash Bible, yeah. So, But this is my point, though. It's easy to go to church and feel like, eh, it's just, I'm just not getting anything out of it anymore. But that's that's such a sh- like a selfish core view of what this is all about because this isn't about you. It's not about me. Anything that's a blessing that you get from going to church for a sermon that's just the icing on the cake. You're there because God is intimately inviting you into his family so that he can take his hand and draw you from this horrific world, this world that we have polluted with sin and corruption and death, right? So he can pull you into heaven. Yeah, it's just like saying, I'm not coming to my family Christmas party anymore because I'm just not getting anything out of it. Yeah, the gifts are just for the little kids right. now. It's like, yeah. you know, I'm just not getting the things I want anymore. And it's like, it's not about that. It's, it's about, not about you. It's, it's about, about Jesus. It's, it's about, about community. God. It's about worshiping God. Yeah. And it's oh. about serving, you know, and it, it's, you know, I mean, should we get something out of it? Yeah, I, I mean, it's ideal if we can grow and we can learn and get inspired and move forward. But I've never heard anybody complain about not getting fed if they're daily reading scripture. What church is for me at this point and on my journey is church is the kingdom come here. The kingdom is at hand. When Jesus went around saying, repent, the kingdom is at hand. That's right now. People talk about the last days, Pentecost, all that stuff, you know. This is it before he comes back. This is, this is the grand finale, folks. This is your chance to be part of the kingdom now. And yeah, you're going to make mistakes and you're still going to suck. You're going to, like, you're still going to sin. But that's why God gave us repentance. So when you feel far from God or ashamed or like you need to run away from church, no. Instead, run to them and be like, hey, I'm really wrestling with this sin or habitual sin or this is wrong in my life. And come to people who, if they're in the word, a biblical church or a biblical family, they will walk you through it with the Holy Spirit. It's the best place to go is the church, especially when you feel far from God. But Mike brought up Stephen, and I, I've been dwelling on this, just trying to still, almost like Mike, to comprehend how someone could do this, how, how a person could do this. Stephen, unlike us, had a short time. He says a short time. He's like a meteor, right? right. Picture a meteor. It's there, and then it's gone. 
but he made such an impression, just as a meteor would for us. Oh, yeah, did you see that? And you, he made such an impression that it still lasts today. So we, we, we ask ourselves, we need to ask ourselves, you know, what are we doing? We have a lot more time than he did. We have today, we've been doing Bible study for a couple of years. Uh, we've been in our faith. Judah's been a pastor for many, many years. And most of us have been Christians for a long time. What have we accomplished? What have we have done? What have we done compared to this meteor that was there for a short time? He gave a 10-minute speech to the Sanhedrin, and then he was stoned to death. And, and I, I keep replaying this in my mind. I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. Yeah, he I mean, was only there passages. for two chapters. You know, what, what, exactly. What, and then he's gone, but but he he lives on in here, and, and his spirit does, as Johnny or whoever was talking about. It's a, it's a challenge. We bring up the 5-5 five, five challenge. You bring up this challenge, the challenge of going to church. He had a challenge in front of him, and he met it head on. And he didn't, when he knew that they were going to stone him, uh, even before that, he knew that he was getting, would be getting himself in trouble. He just continued on. There's a line here, verse 10, chapter 6. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. I wonder if anybody dwelled on that. None of them could say, why? Why couldn't they stand against? Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit, because God, God gave him the words to say. And we need to remember that. It's like Mike wrote down, pray first. We need to remember that God will always give us the words. He, Stephen knew that, and he gave Stephen the words, and Stephen was willing to give up his life. He didn't say at the end, when he, when he probably saw these men, you know, what they started tearing their hair out and going, oh my God, look what he's saying. He knew what would come next, because that's what happened with stoning. Did he say, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean what I said, you know, I'm... I'll, I'll do whatever you want. He didn't say that. What would we do? He didn't say that. He, he stood there and he forgave them. He still prayed to God and he, and he forgave them. This is why this is sticking in my head so much. I, I, can't, I can't get over it. So, so where is Stephen right now? Heaven. Absolutely. He's, he's with God. He's Absolutely. With God. I have yeah. no doubt in my heart or my mind that he is with God. So you're talking about how he's just like a shooting star. He's here one minute and gone the next. But what an impression it leaves in our hearts and our exactly. minds, right? So here's the thing. Would you trade life, even persecution, torture onto death, that little flash in the pan for what he has now? It's a no-brainer. It's well, like a guarantee of winning the, 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 the mega millions, you know what I mean? The Powerball. It, it, it would appear to be a no-brainer, and that is the question, Johnny. Uh, Stephen is a testament, testament the, the first testament to somebody who died in faithful service to God. Amen. Okay, so we, we have to consider what are we willing to sacrifice for God? We, we ask this question all the time. What are, in order to live with God, in order to be in heaven with God, as you said, Johnny, because that's where he is. He, 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 didn't, he didn't plan on that. He, did, he just went out and he spoke God's word. He spoke what was on his heart. He was imbued with the Holy Spirit. What are we willing to sacrifice is the question. Romans 8.18 is what it reminds me of. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Right? What a powerful couple of verses that is. So no matter what we're going through on account of Jesus, just think on the other side of that narrow gate is rest in God forever, eternal rest. It, it's, it's the paradise. It's... Being in union with God. And again, yeah, and again, I just, I want to go back to that verse 10 there. None of them could stand against the wisdom and spirit with which Stephen spoke. When we are in a situation, 
it could be a spiritual, it could be any situation, a personal situation, and, and, and you know, we don't know what we're going to do. Maybe there's just been a death in a family. Whatever it may be, we need to remember that God will give us the words, that God is there. And instead of trying to fumble through something without praying to God first, as you said, Mike, pray first. And we've talked about that in this study group for several years now that, and, I, and I'm guilty of that, you know, I jump in and then after I'm in trouble, then I pray to God. Instead of praying first, and Lenny and I are always talking about that when we're, we're together, you know, we got to pray first before something happens. So that's, that's a good point there. And knowing that, as Stephen knew, that the, the Spirit will imbue us with the words that we need to say. You know, what's interesting here too is, is the, uh, the euphoria or the elation that Stephen is experiencing during his death, right? I mean, I mean, it's not just like, like you said, not like, oh, I'm sorry, this or that or whatever. But I mean, you know, in, in 56, he says, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And and when I, whenever I picture him saying that, I picture like not fear, but I picture like you brought your kid to Disney World and they're like, look, there's Cinderella's castle. Oh my goodness. You know, and he's like, he's like, look, look, heaven's open. I see Jesus right there standing at God's right hands. And then they're all shouting and they're yelling and they're dragging him. And then verse 59 says, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And it's just like, it's like what he was experiencing was not what they thought he was experiencing. They think that he's experiencing pain and suffering and whatever. And in these moments, God traded that for something else. And, uh, and you see that throughout history with many of the martyrs and many of the people who are uh, beaten and burned at the stake and things where they're, where they're not feeling pain or they're singing while they're getting burned or like all these things. And it's like, you see that here. It's like this, this elation that is superseding whatever he's experiencing physically, he's experiencing something spiritually that's far greater than any physical suffering, as if he doesn't even feel yeah. the stones hitting him. And it's funny because the people around him, they, they lamented deeply for his funeral or whatever, right? But the saddest part of S Stephen stoning isn't even Stephen being stoned to death <clears throat> or the injustice. The, to me, the saddest part is that the people who falsely accused him and the Pharisees or whoever was involved in this execution, they believed in their hearts that they were doing this for the right reasons. Right. And it, yet they were deceived by their flesh, the world, and by the Satan. Yeah. And that's the saddest part is that they really, it, for them, it was so real that what they were doing was just and righteous. But see, he, and that's the saddest part is they were so deceived. Here, here's, here's, here's where it gets like, where it gets uh, like inception. It, it gets like very deep and twisted and whatever, because it's like, would Saul have begun to persecute Christians as heavily had it not been for the death of Stephen. This was the catalyst for sure. And so would Saul have been on the road to Damascus at the time and the place when God intervened in a supernatural way? It's like all of this was like pieces playing together. I mean, so Stephen is really critical to the spread of the early church, you know, because it, right after that, I mean, obviously we, we jump into uh, the next chapter, um, of uh, Acts 8, uh, 1b, 
It says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Beautiful. Right? I mean, and it is beautiful. Why? Because, okay, if, if you're making a steak, right, and what, what, what are the two most popular things that you put on top of steak while you're cooking them? Salt and pepper, right? Mm -hmm. So now, would you rather take salt and pour a, 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 a little mound of it on your steak? Or would you rather take the, the salt and sprinkle it evenly across, right? So now you've got this concentration of salt because Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You've got this concentration of salt in Jerusalem and God's like, we need to scatter you. You know, we need to, we need to expand this thing. And so all the believers except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And what does that do? That increases the flavor now of the whole area. And now what are they doing? Hey, let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you this. Saul, now he's like on this rampage now. He's out there going. He's on this, this mission. He wasn't on a mission before. He, I mean, we didn't even know if he participated in Stephen's execution other than the fact that he guarded the, the, the clothes, right? But then now he's like, I am going to, this is my calling now. And it's almost like God's like, okay, you just wait. Well, you yeah. Know? Yeah. It's a kingdom, right? It's a kingdom. It's always referred to as a kingdom politically, right? Yeah. <clears throat> There's a king, right? And so the king obviously is Yahweh, but the king then gives the keys or the, or the scepter to rule to, to Yeshua, to Jesus, right? And then Jesus is now the commander in chief of this army. So what does he do? He comes to earth. He lives this perfect life. And what does he do? He is so salt and light and pure and innocent, the Messiah. He unites both Jew and Gentile, and he rallies them in God's holy city, a city that was so corrupt that it killed the prophets that were sent to her, right. Jerusalem, right? And so he draws all these people near and far to him through signs, through wonders, through preaching, through, through his holiness, through his truth. He is the way, the truth, the life. Yeah. No one comes to the Father except through him. And now it's like the military has assembled in this one hot hotbed. Right. They get their mission or missions, and... and all the evidence that they need to go out and do what they need to do. And then boom, he's like, now we're going to deploy you. And yep. it's like, they're just getting parachuted all throughout. Because <clears throat> verse, verse four right here, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Exactly. And then it goes on to Philip. And it's like, for example, Philip, he went to Samaria and he told people there was a Messiah. Crowds are listening to Philip because they were eager. And, and it's funny because I've like read this so many times and I've, kind of glossed over Philip with exception of the of the Ethiopian story. But here it says they're eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many have been paralyzed or lame or healed. So there was great joy in that city. So Philip, you know, who was a uh, uh, a colleague of Stephen, right? Because he was one of the seven that was set apart to administer food to the widows and to the people in need. Philip is also, now he's scattered, but these people, they're scattered, and then they just start preaching. And, you know, this, this uh, uh, synagogue of the freed slaves it was, man, they're probably regretting what they did now because they're like, man, we've just added fuel to the fire. Yeah, it's like, so you got a fire going, and like you blow on it, it catches right, on the curtains, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll and then blow you blow on it more, yeah, and, right. and then a chunk falls onto the couch, and it's like, oh, we're making everything worse, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, a couple of things there, which you had read, Judah, uh, verse 4 there in chapter 8, but the believers, I highlighted that, the believers were scattered, preached the good news. So, again, 
if we relate it to ourselves, would we be willing to do that? So all the adversity they had with um, Saul in verse 3, going everywhere to destroy the church, it said he went from house to house, right. which is where the churches kicking, were. Kicking down doors, yeah. Dragging out both men and women and throwing them into prison. That That's verse 3. Right. Then verse 4, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news of Jesus wherever they went. So adversity didn't stop the believers back then. Yeah, does it stop? The, does it stop us today? Yeah, are we preaching the word everywhere we yeah, went? Yeah, this <laughs> you know is what, I mean? what I'm at. I, I ask myself, I, and I throw that out. You know, I ask rhetorical questions, but it's like I, they did this, and you know, what am I doing? You know, I, I, I've got it a lot better than they did. You know, there's no even no comparison. It's night and day. They're getting dragged out of their house. You know, we have the freedom, as we've often said, with you know the martyrs throughout the world, as opposed to them. We have that freedom, and what are we doing with it? What well, are we doing with it? Imagine the lecture that someone like Philip would give us, right? Be like, what, you've got a way to communicate with people that are not right in front of you? You have a way to communicate with God? Well, I know, but I mean, I'm like, like, like you could pick up a phone call and, and you can call, you can post something and people can see it around the world. They're like, you live in a country where you're not getting stoned to death and persecuted, like, if we had that, like this could have spread so much faster, so much easier. Or, or, or how about he would say, why aren't you using it? Well, well exactly, exactly. It's just like you have all this, these tools at your resources or at your, at your uh, beck and call, and yet we're like, well, you know, I don't want to offend somebody. Oh, they only leave you whatever, a, a rude you know. comment on social media? Right, right. Yeah, they're not actually throwing rocks at you. They only make fun of you? Oh, you yeah. mean you're going to get canceled if yeah. you do it? Right, right, yeah. Bring it on. What an honor to be canceled. That's like martyr, uh, martyrdom in today's day and age, right? You know? <laughs> an another thing, uh, Judah, you had read, um, uh, and again, we're still in chapter 8, verse 5. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria. Samaria was also the, it was a city and a state. It was in a region. So Samaria, the city was the capital of the Samarian region. And the reason I, I, I circled Samaria there because, and, 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 for, and, and it went on and, and Philip told the people there about the Messiah. In Samaria, and, and we've heard about it, but, you know, I do a little bit more research into it and there was so much animosity between, you know, the, the Jews of the time and the Sumerians because they were a, um, I don't know, a hybrid, if you will, to use a word that we use today, a hybrid Jew. You know, they had gotten mixed after they had gotten conquered by the Assyrians and other, other countries. You know, they, some of the Jews, you know, they intermingled or intermarried. So they were not a purebred Jew, let's say. Uh, if they, you, were, they were mudbloods. Muggles. Is no, no, mud, mud bloods. Mud blood. Mud blood. Mud is when, when the wizard and a muggle get oh, together. Oh, yeah, there they you go. Yeah, mud blood. Yeah. Whatever. There you go. So Heathens, uh, listen uh, to your talking. So, yeah, so, so, yeah, so, Harry Potter. It, I know. We're, yeah, we're, we're he went there, too, though. We're referring to Harry too. Potter. All right, because my daughter is a fanatic about that. But anyway, back to Samaria. So... Philip went to Samaria, and I'm thinking, all right, they, they, did, it, they didn't care. It went there, and you remember, uh, we remember the, uh, what was the story? Jesus uh, and that Samaritan woman at the well. He, even she said, you're asking me for water? I just saw a clip from The Chosen. Uh, I guess that's the new verse. I just, and she says, you know, well, you're asking me for water? I'm, I'm giving, you're, you're Jewish, and I'm Samaritan. Don't you remember? So there was, even with Jesus, there was that animosity. Of course, he pressed her, and there's a, a nice ending to that story. But the, the Samaritans, and, and Jesus 
did that with a Samaritan woman. He went out there by himself, and she thought it was dangerous for him to be there by himself. And, and also, we know the story of the good Samaritan that Jesus told as he tried to make uh, his preaching, his word, universal. But generally, uh, and, and I think there was another one, Jesus wasn't allowed into the Samaritan village um, I forget where that came from, but there was some story where, you know, they didn't, they didn't want him in the village. But here's Philip. So, again, there, he just to emphasize the animosity between Jewish and, and, Samar and the Samaritans and he, even the Christians at the time. And he goes in there and he tells the people about Messiah. And then it says in verse 6, the crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear the message and the miraculous signs he did. So if he could do that. And all we're talking to is people we know and friends for the most part. Mm. And, and, and we can't do that. I mean, why the disparity? Right. Yeah. I yeah, question absolutely. that. And, I'm, and, and again, folks, I'm questioning that about myself. You know, why I don't do it all the time. I've been picking up the pace a little bit. I, I still thank you, Johnny. Carry my Bible along with my cell phone with me. I have this one, but I have a little, a smaller one, as I told you. And I take it everywhere. And I try to make, if I leave my house without, no, it's always in my car. I'm trying to do that, but I, 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 I can't compare to this. And, and I mean, you know, just the example that they lived, I mean, they were uh, against all odds. They were willing to share their faith and they were willing to preach the gospel and come what may. Uh, you, you would think that, uh, that Stephen's death would have quieted things down, but instead it fanned the flames. And, and, and the story of Stephen is still inspiring people thousands of years later to stand up for what we believe and to, to preach the gospel unashamedly. And this world is trying to uh, do what it can to silence uh, voices um, that speak on behalf of God. But, you know, let that never be said of us that we uh, stood by silently. You know, let, let's take the opportunities that we have and use them for spreading the kingdom. So. so so, the zeal that Saul has kicking down doors and this catalyst event of, of Stephen Stoning where they're, now they're blood hungry and they're going to they're gonna finally stamp out all this, whatever heretical, you know, teachings of Jesus in the way, and which is completely the opposite, totally biblical, right? That's one form of zeal. But the other form of zeal, which has a totally different tone about it, it has that like holy tone to it, is all those people that are being, being sprinkled like salt across the land. They're just calmly, peace, peaceably sharing the good news of what Jesus is doing in their life, right? It's like, that's that's the different type of zeal. It has a totally different air about it. It's like, it's a totally different kind of experience to be confident and excited and calm and peaceful and like to be able to, in a still small voice, share the gospel with somebody in a way that really shakes them to their core versus we're going to go out and we're going to, you know, like you're all hopped up on steroids or something, you know what I mean? It's, it's just a different experience, you know? Yeah. You, you mentioned Saul. I'm glad you did that. You spoke first because I, w I was going to reference him here. Uh, we read in 8.3, again, which I just read, but I want to read it again. Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. If you, you know, think of that today, we're, we're under, you know, we're under pressure, as Judy just said, um, trying to if, if we let certain factions have their way, they will make it a felony, make it a, a crime to say Jesus Christ, uh, to say those words. They'll extract that from our vocabulary. 
But there, there's hope because we see in 8.3 the zeal that Paul had to persecute Christians. We didn't get to 9 yet. We're, we're, well, it was part of what we're studying here. But in 9.3, you go from chapter 8, verse 3, to chapter 9, verse 3, and now Paul is converted. Right. He's struck. It's in just one, one chapter later, right. and how I relate that to today is because these people that are doing these secular things that are that are trying to take God away, our faith away from uh, from our society, maybe they could be like Paul, Paul's, and they get struck and they and their yeah. eyes get open. Is what I'm thinking. Absolutely. Yeah, it looks like next week we're going to get into that for yeah. sure. Yeah. So anyhow, let, let's go ahead and wrap up here uh, for today, and uh, and we will get to uh, Saul. Uh, soon and just man, what a what a transformational story uh, that is. So all my notes are on Saul. Yeah, yeah. There, there, <laughs> I got to speak on there, it. Yet. There's uh, there's a lot. No, there, we don't so. have to. None of us have to study. Then you cover yeah. it next week first. No, we're no, just no, gonna I wait here. Believe me, more than Johnny. So. <laughs> next week will be the Johnny V show. Yeah, yeah. So okay, well, well, we'll be back next week. Thank you guys. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast also consider sharing it on social media we can't wait to be back together with you at the thriving in the word podcast